0: Welcome to Plums and Peaches, everybody. <laughs> um, well, okay, well, listeners, we have a very special guest today. Our very, our very first outside guest. Yeah, so honored. Yeah, so honored. And, and it's Courtney Masterson, whose name you definitely already know. No way. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and so we'll get I think to introductions later. But yeah. For, but thank you so much first of all, for speaking. Thank you
1: for being, for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, let's do our update. Yeah, quick updates. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, first update. It's read across Lawrence time. Mm-hmm. We have a book for you. All well, of you. kind of. Maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the so we can announce now. I think right that the read across Lawrence yes. book. It's called Interior Chinatown. Mm-hmm. It's by Charles Yu. Hmm. And. It's
2: awesome. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a super cool, fun read. It's structured really interestingly, kind of like mm-hmm. a screenplay. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a lot of complicated themes, yes.
0: one of which is affordable housing. And so, Ruby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> f- okay, first, if you want a copy, we have a ton of seven-day checkouts. They mm-hmm. are up at the front kind of by the self checkouts and the displays. Um, and then keep an eye on our social media, which we'll link um, for book giveaways if you want a copy to keep. Mm-hmm. We have some of those. Yep. Um, yeah. And then, yes, <laughs> thank you, Hazlitt. Uh, we're doing a ton of really cool events um, around uh, us all reading this book together. And um, most of them are are fun and then, because we're info people, uh, we're doing yes, a serious one. Serious, yeah. um, but it'll be fun too. It'll be interesting. Um, we're doing an affordable housing forum on April. It's like
0: April eighth. No, sorry, I made that up. No, it's the That's it's the it. fourth. It's the fourth. Okay, I made it, and I don't remember.
1: We will link it in show notes. Yeah. And um, be, it's yeah. super important conversation. Yeah. Super yeah. Important. Yeah.
0: And Ruby's brought together a lot of local stakeholders who either work yes. in affordable housing or, like, actually – yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's going to be a very
2: – We have local organizations working to house people. We have folks uh, from the city. Just – I'm i – we're still kind of in the works, but I'm trying to get a good, um, like, broad spectrum of, of people working on this issue, whether they're researching or building houses or looking at policy um, – and yeah, we're going to talk about where we are with this issue and why we're here and what we're doing about it. Um, and then instead of a Q&A in front of everyone, um, the panelists will be at their own small tables. So you can go up and talk to them and um, get more information. So if you're someone uh, like me. Me, who's <laughs> terrified about the housing situation in Florence. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Also terrified yeah. of public speaking. Yes. Speaking yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. really scary to ask a question in front of a, a big audience. Yeah. I would never want to do that. So, yeah, yeah, you can one-on-one talk with folks and get some information about services. So,
0: yeah. And Ruby cool. will be moderating the I event. Moderating so if you want to see a podcast event, If you want to see me
2: <laughs> terrified and sweaty, um, Yeah. That'll be the event for that. It's going to be great. (laughs) I wish I could go. I have a metalsmithing
0: class at the same time. Okay, great. I'll just go to that. (laughs) So, okay, yeah, that's an update. Um, Another update is that Mark, who we um, Mm -hmm. love and we talked about a a few episodes ago, he is joining our team full-time as the community resources specialist. Yes. So... Um very soon in the future, if you have any community resources questions. So, you know, things about shelter or food or what else, Ruby. Yeah, any yeah. any sort of resource question, um, Mark will be the excellent go to yes. point person. And we love him and we he's, he's know awesome. he will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. That's an update. That's yeah. I think
2: that's the last one I had written down.
0: Oh, I have yeah. so many more. I'm okay. sorry. And then, and then we'll get to Courtney. All right, that's <laughs> <No>,
2: good. <laughs> <It's a structure laughs> Thank you, all of our updates.
0: Um, okay. Uh, well, the crocuses have emerged this oh, week, yes. mm-hmm, and yeah. are they going to die under the snow or no? no. They they survive. No, they okay. don't care. Cool. This is nothing. So nice Ooh, to have so an expert.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Normally we'd just sit here and wonder. Yeah, we'd be like, hmm. Yeah. Guess we'll, we'll just watch.
1: will they or yeah. well, won't they? Yeah. Um No, that they're they're totally snow flowers. They're fine cool. with this. Mm-hmm. Cool, it'll be. We That's have fun. an amazing spring coming with all this moisture. I'm very excited. Oh, oh! We're both just looking at each other in <laughs> shock. Really, it's going to be amazing because of all the snows we've had. Yeah, all this great moisture we had this winter is going to bring a beautiful spring. Oh my gosh, I'm very maybe excited.
0: my native plants will finally. Bro. <laughs> oh, we can talk. about We'll get there. We'll get <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Okay, we I will. Have, I have one more um, update again, okay. and then so um oh uh book squad podcast yes is coming back it's back on again or something. But they had a yeah. We will link to it in the
2: yes. We have another episode. that I'm very excited to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. if you like, yeah, if you like our podcast, there's this like uh.
0: It's like ten <laughs> times better. So, like, you will definitely like theirs and
2: Kimberly yeah, and Polly. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to oh. this, um, we got a better one for you. Yeah, it's theirs. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: and you've already heard Polly, who's part of the book yeah. podcast. So, we, yeah. people already know this probably. I just, I just forget what we say. Okay, all right. It's so, important. Did you have any updates
1: you wanted to share? Um. Well, I'll talk about them. Throughout okay. uh, our conversation. You could but, introduce yourself. Oh, yes. uh, Sure, <laughs> sure. we could start that way. Okay. I like it. My name is Courtney Masterson. I am an ecologist and I, I mean, people call me a botanist. I think uh, you're always studying your science, so I'll just go with it. Sure. <laughs> and I also own and operate Native Lands LLC and I'm on a bunch of different nonprofit boards in the community. So I get around. People see me. It's too much. Yeah, I'd your name. I'd rather be in here. <laughs> it's everywhere.
0: Like everything I see going on in Lawrence, it's like, oh, there's Courtney. There's,
1: there's Courtney, Courtney again. I don't know how I'm doing it. Honestly, at some point I'm going to hit a wall really hard and all you folks are going to be ready to step up behind me and just carry all of this amazing information. That's all I am. I'm a walking brain. That's it. Well, and you burn things. I burn That's- things a lot. My <laughs> like brains can't burn. That's true. Well, yeah, not well anyway. Ooh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah but thank you so much for being here despite you. your very very, very very busy exciting. schedule yeah. and all the
1: burns that you have to do this week i'm so excited to be here and thanks for giving me a reason to chat about what i do and to learn about what you're doing yeah. it's very exciting uh, and yeah we're burning all day tomorrow and all day the next day if we wow. can and, and then it's gonna snow again mm-hmm. and then we'll burn some more and then hopefully we'll be done wow yeah <laughs> Well, um,
0: we were wondering, first of all, if you could tell us, this isn't the main question of the podcast, so don't get too excited, but we were wondering if you could tell us just a bit about how you started Native Lands and how you came to doing this work.
1: Sure. I'll try not to get lost in it Uh, because it's not a direct route, and I think some of the, you know, some of the folks doing that I admire the most, um, they don't have that sort of career path that you learn about when you're starting college where they're like, well, if you just get this degree and then you get this degree, then you get this job and then you have a career. And that's really just not reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, I started Native Lands LLC because um, I was working with uh, the Kansas Biological Survey right out of grad school. Um, surveying prairies and natural areas and documenting them all and um, get, got to meet a lot of landowners. And the common theme of that was that they were all looking for help in mm-hmm. managing their natural areas. They didn't know what they had and they didn't know how to get where they wanted to go. And they didn't, they all wanted to do something good, you know, whether it be provide for wildlife or, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, disaster preparedness or wa- you know water quality. It, it was all people with all these amazing things in their hearts and they just didn't have the help that they needed. And there weren't any contractors who were able to help them. Um, so when I first came to Lawrence, I started, um, sort of a nonprofit though, not 501c3 status, um, Cow Valley Native Plant Coalition. Um, oh, yeah. and that was meant to provide education <laughs> on native plants uh, native plants and native landscapes to people who had an interest in that. And that was really popular. And, um, you know, we, we found a lot of interested people, but I wasn't able to provide services really through mm. that group. Um, and so I was working, my day job was serving what was there and my, you know, my recreational time, <laughs> if you want to call it, because I absolutely enjoyed it, was teaching people about what mm. what was on their land and what was, you know, in Douglas County and surrounding areas. But none of those jobs let me actually do anything to help people. And mm. so um, I really wanted to do that. So we start we started applying for grants and partnered up with Don Bueller, um, our river keeper, um, who's the executive director of Friends of the Caw, and finally got a grant that gave me sort of the Cajones, you know to mm-hmm. to take a step back and do the business full-time and cool. that was the riverbank restoration project in north lawrence um and mm. we've been full-time ever since it's very exciting Whoa. wow it's so exciting and that was the short version what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well like, yeah, yeah we we read some interviews oh, gr- in, oh gosh in, so but they were yeah that was more detailed than anyway different details yeah but Yeah, that's so cool. I didn't know that that gap existed, and so Native Lands was kind of coming into...
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really, um, you know, my background um, was in volunteer work, and I always tell the young folks, honestly, not just the young folks, all the folks who work with us who want to know how to do this work, the best way to get started in it is to find a nonprofit or an organization that's doing this and try it first, Mm -hmm. um, and give as much of yourself as you can in the time you eke out between sometimes multiple jobs and Mm -hmm. children and, you know, and partners and my three cats and, (laughs) and, um, and find a way to give of yourself in whatever you're passionate about. For me, that is protecting natural areas and native plants and, and wild animals and, um, crazy wild Kansas, um, give of yourself and try it out. And if you still find yourself passionate about it, then try to find a way to get in there and do it. Um, and I was doing that in Kansas city with, um, Kansas city wildlands was the group that I, um, just couldn't stop giving of myself, to. They're so incredibly inspirational. And then when I moved to Lawrence and no one was doing that, I just, it's just this hole in your soul. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's like you were. So I was and am so connected to the natural areas work that I just felt lost without it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I felt like I didn't have a choice but mm-hmm. to do this. Um, I had a calling. It's nice to have a calling, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but it takes a long time to find that calling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very lucky. So sweet. I'm going to cry. Yeah, I know. This is the first time <laughs> on
0: the podcast I'm like, am I uh, Am I crying?
1: I choke myself up sometimes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no. No, it's, well, it's truly beautiful work. I'm very yeah. lucky
1: to be doing it. Well, and it's
0: great just when you said you started Car Valley Native Plant Coalition. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a logo I've seen everywhere. It's just mm-hmm. fun to like – Yeah. Like, oh.
1: Yeah. So weird. That beautiful logo was yeah. created by um, – one of my co-chairs, uh, Patty Ragsdale, who had just started her own nonprofit in native plant education really? called Botanical Belonging, Ooh. and that's based out of sort of the Tonganoxie area. But you will certainly Ooh. see more um, out of her, and I'm on that board. So the. Um, We're kind of shifting people out of the Cow Valley Native Plant Coalition into that group where we'll have a little bit more structure and uh, (laughs) um, be able to apply for grants. And um, it won't just be whenever it fits into my crazy schedule, we do something. (laughs) There'll be an actual board and people working there. So um, definitely check them out, too. It's going to be very cool.
0: Yeah, it does just seem like how can you plug as many people as possible into this work because there's yes. so much interest. But yeah, just okay. Sorry, we no, we can't. Great. We gotta. We knew this would
1: happen. That we. would it's <laughs> so on. cool. No, yeah, I'll just come back. We'll just talk all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It'd be fun to have
0: time. a perennial. Like, Ooh, perennial. <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, great. Uh, so thank you for that introduction, absolutely. Courtney. And should we ask our question now? Yeah. Do you wanna ask it? No, you
2: ask
1: it. Oh no. <laughs>
0: um, now it just feels silly because
1: Courtney's so like sincere. <laughs> no, it's okay. I will I'll either laugh a lot or um I'll cry. It's either it's way. really yeah. not
0: that silly. Okay. Whatever. So just um so usually we have a patron ask a question and then we kind of respond to it in the way that we would in the library. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of the, you know, the learners here. We're always yeah. learners, but you know yeah.
2: yeah. We have an expert to ask yeah. questions. So yeah. no pressure. No. <laughs> okay. So our question is, uh, God, it feels like, okay.
0: Our question is, what is the most important thing to know about native plants?
2: Good if Lord. there is one,
1: one, just a really simple, <laughs> small question. Just one question. Um, wow. I think the most important thing to know about a native plant is that they're doing the vast majority of the work in the ecosystem. Mm. I mean, mm. they really are, I mean, they're whether they're hosting the organisms in the soil, providing food for wildlife, cleaning our water, anchoring our soil, you know, creating drought tolerance, flood tolerance for I mean, they're really the powerhouses mm. of the landscape. Um and mm. so few people even know what they look like. It's sort of a shame, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think if there's a problem happening in a, you know outside, a native plant can solve it.
2: That's good. That's and like a title. I defend that. Yeah. 100% cool.
1: I will defend that. Oh, my gosh. That's totally the title. I love that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah.
0: So so I think we're already going to get off our – sorry. But, um, <laughs> but so can you talk to us about – so I guess annuals and sort of non-native perennials, do they not – I mean, maybe they serve some of those functions, but they don't. Like they're just not –
1: they do. I mean, uh, native annuals do not get enough credit. And mm-hmm. part of that is just commercial availability. It's mm-hmm. really difficult to provide native annuals to the community, um, and to purchase them because by the time it's just like any other annual you would buy at a garden store, you have to buy it every single year, Right. Mm-hmm. trying to get folks to, to commit their investments to something that they have to buy every year mm-hmm. that they don't know that plant. Um, and you know, and that, Um, you know, it's not going to be cheap. It just costs Mm -hmm. a lot of money. A lot of the native plant Mm -hmm. nurseries are small, um, really small crews, really um, small amount of resources. And so everything's more expensive, Mm. Um, but they're doing amazing work, but it's difficult to, to sell the idea of, uh, you know, a $4 annual and a $4 perennial, um, (laughs) when you know you're going to have to buy the other one all the time. Um, and also the seeds just aren't as readily available. Yeah. But I guess like, so
0: when you're like planting your garden or, you know, whatever, putting a plant in, then you have the choice between a non-native plant and a native plant, Um, like does the non-native plant do any of the good work or, um,
1: it really depends. Of course, you know, a lot of the food we eat is Mm non-native plants that started as native plants somewhere. Um, (laughs) there is no plant that you use that wasn't once a native plant and then bred to be what it is today. Um, but absolutely there's space for non-native plants. Um, you know, I think about, the aromatherapeutic value of lavender and Mm -hmm. rosemary is maybe my favorite smell in the whole universe. Definitely not native here. Mm Um, um, and certainly good food, good medicine. Right. But, you know, um, thinking about what you're planting and the potential impact on not just your yard, but your neighbor's yard and your neighborhood. And then, of course, the, the broader ecosystem um, is the practice I want folks to go through when they're impulse shopping. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do if you don't even know the name of what you're buying. You're just, you know, at the local box store because right. it has pretty flowers on it today. Um, no mm-hmm. one's there to teach you what could happen if you plant this in the ground. Um, mm-hmm. What's great about native plant nurseries Um, is you don't really need to know the answer to that question. It's kind of, I always compare it, and folks around here know, I compare it to going into the Merck to shop. I'm a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I like to eat local. If I go to the Merck, I don't have to check every single label, and I don't have to think about how far did this food come from to Mm -hmm. get to me as much. Um, as if I went to a different grocery store, right? If you go to a native plant nursery, you don't have to think that way. Hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, I just, all of this belongs, yeah. right? Then right. you're just thinking about what are the ecosystems in my yard or at my business or at my grandma's yard, you know, you don't <laughs> have to think about, is this okay to plant? You have to think, is this the appropriate plant for the ecosystem I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. there's always someone at these amazing nurseries to help. So yeah, very lucky, which we will name later. Yes, we will. I'm we'll mm-hmm. being I mean, yeah, vague, yeah. Some, not intentionally, but only because I can get off on. <laughs> I, they're all such amazing people. I could really go. Cool.
2: Well, that's, that's it. Well, <laughs> while we're on the subject of, of figuring out what to plant, oh. um, I want to talk about an interaction that I have pretty regularly with patrons during seed library time. Love the seed library. Which yes, still yeah. open, still yeah, open guess, till the end of April. Yeah, Our Seed Library. If you don't but know, that's
0: kind of what I. Because we have a lot of native seeds that you donate to us very generously, <laughs> um, but then we have a lot of kind of other seeds too, yeah. like food crops, r- and, right? And yeah, herbs. Mm-hmm. so
2: so I, don't know. What's that? I, I get <laughs> so I get people coming up. Either people are, and this has been most of it this year. Is so people are just like super excited that we have native plant seeds, that's so good. and they they seem confident which is great um but in prior years and a couple people this year have been like they're like "Ooh, what's this and I'm like you know doing my little pitch and then they're like they kind of quickly are like oh well I I do know what a marigold is like so maybe we will get that you know it's kind of like Mm -hmm. oh I'm not sure what these are or like what there's a germination thing I have to do Mm -hmm. what what is it like oh this is so much to take on right um so I wondered if you would talk a little bit about that sure approach and how to sort of break that down or or (laughs) <laughs> make it seem like something that people can do.
1: Absolutely. I think you 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 hit the nail on the head though, really. I mean, it feels so foreign, but that's ironic, right? Like right. This, this is a, the ecosystem that we have been a part of, you know, as white people for a couple hundred years, but certainly the indigenous people have been carrying these seeds and mm-hmm. utilizing these seeds for many, many thousands of years. And I think the key to understanding native plants is just to emulate what nature does. So mm-hmm. our native plant seeds... M- many of them, the vast majority of them, need some sort of cold. Um, and that's because we experience winter here. <laughs> um, if you bring them inside and they think that it's dry and warm, the inside of our houses are generally 70-plus degrees and fairly dry. If you're a seed, that just you're just getting that signal, it's summer, it's summer, it's mm. summer, it's summer. And they don't understand that it's time to germinate when you stick them outside. They don't feel like they've experienced a winter. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, That's going to be true of most of the perennial wildflowers, Um, some very nichey grasses and annuals, but most of those grasses and annuals, um, their job is just germinate, grow, germinate, grow (laughs) as fast as they can, you know, I mean, and that's what a lot of our food crops um, and a lot of our herbs that we experience in our or grow in our gardens are going to be those annuals or non-native, non-winter experiencing plants. So they Mm -hmm. don't need that kind of treatment. In fact, that could be really hard for them. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of native plants as being part of our ecosystem and give them everything that our ecosystem gives them. You can fake that um, by putting them in a fridge and some d- in a damp paper towel or in. I like to use wet, wet sand—not wet, but moist sand, okay. um, or or vermiculite or whatever you have laying around, um, uh, damp soil. Um, but you could also just put them outside over the winter. Um, and it, but the the risk of putting them outside is that they are part of this ecosystem. So mice will eat them, birds will Mm. eat them. That's those animals' job. They're looking for food. So if you put them outside that you run the risk of them all being gone <laughs> by but then, spring. But then they digest them, right? Exactly. So
2: they'll grow. Maybe
1: they might pass them through, and <laughs> some of our <laughs> seeds even require that. It, that's oh, just so cool. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the seeds of some of our of our trees, like pawpaws, mm-hmm. I mean, they have these historic mm-hmm. megafauna relationships, and those megafauna aren't here anymore. <laughs> um, so honey locust is one of those. Pawpaw is one of those. Um, and the seeds are meant to pass through an animal. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we joke all the time about germinating <laughs> (laughs) seeds like that (laughs) but I mean you can also false false, like uh create a false situation that emulates that situation wow it's pretty cool though what are the megafauna that what giant sloths <gasps> um you what know woolly mammoths all kinds of interesting mm-hmm. animals wow. and plants have these really cool historic relationships
0: oh my gosh i didn't know that about woolly mammoths yeah, yeah. Like, wow. so i mean
1: um we always talk about giant sloths here because um oh. i believe that that was meant it was the megafauna that was eating papa um and here? Pop- yeah, like, here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I think of how long ago that was. Yeah. And think of that our native species were here. Our native plant species were here that long yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. It feels it's like so a, cool. a yeah. children's story, right? To yeah, think about sloths kind of, you know, lumbering around Kansas looking for pawpaws. Wow. <laughs> no. but it's so cool though. I'm um, literally,
2: yeah, like crying again. There are no plants that are magic. Food, like I, I, yes, I yeah, I sure. definitely see a sloth like snacking on it. You're yeah. not going
1: anywhere, <laughs> yeah. You could see a sloth with a pawpaw on paw each cheek, yeah, exactly. just gnawing on it. <laughs> I would do that today if my cheeks were bigger, yeah, <laughs> they're wow. amazing. Okay,
0: wow, that could take us down a lot more
1: tangents, yeah. That should be <laughs> So, I guess
0: a thing we wanted to say was I get because the seed library is open in the spring, so if you're
1: getting right. a native seed in the spring. Yeah, it's kind of cutting it close. By the time you guys open the seed library, and we've had sort of side conversations about this, but nothing really comes of it Mm because it seems like, how do you do that? It's almost Mm -hmm. as if there's two separate libraries. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, A native seed library that may be available in December Mm -hmm. um, and a, a food library which I hate to make that distinction, native plants are also food, but um, mm-hmm. a, sort of a non-native food food and herb library that would open more like when we start to experience, um, you know, the frosts are starting to die back and we're seeing less mm-hmm. freezing. Um, but certainly offering the native plants earlier would, would give people more opportunities um, to yeah. to have success.
0: Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely tried to stratify in my fridge. I've awesome. tried to stratify outside, and I'm, and I'm rarely I'm successful. So. <laughs>
1: well, every species has a little tweak week and um i'll make one plug um for for your listeners sake but if you're ever not sure about a particular species definitely check that prairie moon nursery website yeah they there is no other web resource that houses as much information as they do about each species and how to germinate them they really are an awesome resource i don't tend to order plants and seeds from them because they are adapted to way north prairie range and we are not in the northern part of the prairie range. And you could probably guess why that would be concerning for Mm -hmm. the the seed, the genetic code, the toolbox that that seed contains is not adapted to the dry heat that we get um, or in our winters are much shorter, of course. Um, So it may not be the healthiest place for them to germinate Mm. here in Kansas if you're from Wisconsin or Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So even if
0: like uh like what it, so if a native plant store in like the northern Midwest has a map that shows where a seed is native mm-hmm. to, and it includes us, but the store is located in the northern
1: Midwest, should I not trust the map? So the map <laughs> is just telling you where the species is native, okay. but not the genotype, okay. So they we we don't know when we're purchasing seeds online where a seed came from, uh. but it's most likely that the if a so a Prairie Nursery I think is Minnesota, it's more likely that their seeds are sourced from in and around Minnesota. <laughs> um, whereas if you purchase from seed vendors like. Um, Buffalo Seed Co., um, and um, yeah, the, um, there's Five Brothers in Alma. There's a couple of fairly close seed vendors. They um, are going to have seeds produced more locally, um, and those seeds will be adapted to your conditions. Same species, mm. and so go all the way back to intro okay. biology. Oh. I can breed a, a butterfly milkweed from Kansas and a butterfly milkweed from Minnesota, <gasps> and they'll have viable offspring, but that doesn't mean Minnesota butterfly milkweed isn't sweating it when they live wow. here. It might be too much for them.
0: Oh, my gosh. I just I just bought a native climbing rose, oh. but from a store.
1: It's okay. Just baby it a little.
0: Because the one in, like, <laughs> Vendon Valley didn't have one.
1: Yep. And, yep. All okay. right. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yep. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you some hints on places to go native plant shopping for okay. sure. But um, I love those native roses um, and just baby it if okay. it's not from okay. around here is what I would do. <gasps> oh, man. Okay. All right. Great. I'm um, <laughs> your, your personal native plant. Um, advice so you can always email me and ask questions. I I probably will.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. Ruby,
2: what was our next? Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you had a, um. Oh, so. A question. Um, I have a dog that I take to the dog park. (gasps) Mutt Run? Yes. Awesome. And I have some questions about what's going on out there. Fantastic. Um. I didn't know that Jimmy went to the dog park. I thought he didn't. No, he does. Oh. He just he doesn't care about other dogs. Oh, okay. But he, he can just likes run around in the woods. Yeah, we have tried to plan this. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. <laughs> we'll we, have, we have two
1: Chihuahuas. Yeah. Oh, adorable. Yeah. Well, this might be like a jungle to your dog. Oh, but- yeah. yeah, he
2: doesn't he really respects um staying out of the fields right now mm-hmm. as he's been asked to, but only because his short little body um it's it's too close to the good. ground and he doesn't like he doesn't <laughs> like the weeds. So, yeah, yeah, I've
1: seen native cotton rats and pack rats as big as a chihuahua. So <gasps> oh. just be.
2: <laughs> oh my god! I'm always worried about the hawks yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm like, That's a yeah. concern. Yeah, yeah. but oh, our huh.
0: chihuahuas aren't tiny. Oh
2: yeah. No, he's like, not like a toy. Oh, he's a big, Okay. Size. he's yeah. like,
0: he, mine's like 12 pounds.
2: Oh, yeah, he's okay. like 18 pounds. Okay. So I don't I don't know
1: that he'd get snatched, but he could you get. Know swiped though yeah he could oh yeah okay. we have a friend joey who's Dotson got picked up <gasps> by a, a hawk so you got to be careful oh. and carried away mm-hmm. oh my oh, god that's so scary but recovered ultimately oh, okay. which is oh, good wow. but i mean i mean that's a big dog <clears throat> well compared to a, a chihuahua that's the same yeah, yeah it's, it's about... about the same so you got to be careful it's, oh my god the hawk's uh, job uh, is to uh, eat those little critters yeah
2: I'm crying again. (laughs) Wow. You've got this.
1: You've got this. Just harness. Harness is good. You can't carry you and the dog away.
2: Yes. Yeah. Sticking close to Jimmy Falcone. (sighs) Okay, well so, okay. But you're yeah, So yeah.
1: the dog park. But yes, <laughs> what's going on at the <laughs> yes. dog park? So Mutt Run, um, there's an uh, I think it's eleven acres space with a uh, circle track around it. That's mm-hmm. part of the dog park. It's awesome. Um but what folks who don't who aren't plant observers might not know is that that eleven acres was really dominated by an a uh, non-native species called Ceresia Lespidiza. Uh, and the Latin name is Lespidiza cuneata. Um, it is an, a spe- species from China, called, also called Chinese bush clover, um, mm-hmm. and it spreads aggressively and displaces native species. Um, the dog park, anybody who's been there knows. I mean, it's a site that is regularly disturbed. It's certainly mm-hmm. not, wasn't prairie to begin with, um, you know, a couple decades ago. It certainly um, has experienced its own problems. But the, the bush clover, the Chinese bush clover, um, was getting to a coverage, of like over 50% cover mm-hmm. in that 11 acres. And so um, I did
2: notice walking
1: around mm-hmm. this last spring and summer,
2: there were like. There were like four plants. Yeah. <laughs> I was just seeing over and oh, over. Right. And I don't really know much about plants, but I was like, "This is really odd." Right. Like,
1: it's, it's it's like someone Minecraft like, just yeah yeah exactly plant all exactly. I was like, exactly. did they do this on
2: purpose? It's just so weird be that way. So
1: it, your ecosystem is always going to be benefited by being as diverse as possible, mm-hmm. and that's I mean that theme diversity is resilience. It is my theme. Uh, across all things, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about people, um, food, um, and d- certainly ecosystems. Um, so when you're getting to a point where you've lost all of your diversity, mm-hmm. whatever that reason be, and a lot of the times it's because of human impact, something that we've done, um, the first question is how do we get back?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and for that space, um, luckily the folks at Kansas Biological Survey, um, Mike Houts, um, championed this site and wrote a grant for it in county funding came through from Heritage Conservation Council, thank goodness. Um, and he pulled uh, Native Lands, my company, mm-hmm. um, Parks and Rec, the landowners and land managers in, and then uh, Jayhawk Audubon as well in as partners. So we're all working together to convert the space back to um, to resemble prairie. And the reason I'm careful about the way I, I say that is because you can't rebuild a prairie. There's just no, we don't mm-hmm. have the capacity to build mm-hmm. what a remnant prairie is. But we do have, you know, some several hundred species available to us commercially. And we can, you know, kind of clean up the slate and try to get the invasive species down to a bare minimum and then reintroduce the native species. And then you have to start treating it like prairie again. Mm. And so what you're going to see in that site in the spring, and I think I actually have these memorized, May 14th and May 28th, if I don't have it wrong, are okay. the two public wildflower planting days for that site. We will be planting so almost <laughs> 2,000 wildflowers. Wow. Wow. And this last winter, we seeded it back to prairie species. So oh, okay. cool. the reason we're plugging in those wild, live wildflowers with the community is, one, engage the community so they know mm-hmm. what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And if you've planted a wildflower, then you you tend to love a space a lot more. That's the <laughs> flower I planted, right? Yeah. Um, but also because seed blends for prairie tend to take two or three years to really establish. And that's partly what you're experiencing Um, is that, you know, if I, um, our prairie that we, we're the caretakers of um, is called blazing star prairie. Um, And we named it after the wildflower that dominates our prairie, Mm -hmm. which is the prairie blazing star. Um, That, plant takes three years to go from seed to its first flower and the first flower is not the big beautiful flower it's going to be a puny little flower um (laughs) they just take a really long time to establish Mm -hmm. um and that's important that we're patient with that process but to give the community something to look at that first three (laughs) years we're adding quite a few wildflowers so that there's already a show that first year and um you know from observing what native lands does, that this is something that's really important to us to get the community involved Mm -hmm. in this kind of work. I'm Mm -hmm. very excited. Yeah. So those two days are going to be our big pulses there. And then as far as the communities involved, that's it. And then we just have to count on parks and rec department to continue to care for the space as the landowners and caretakers, which is going to mean occasional burning, um, and, you know, mowing sometimes to manage woody plants Mm -hmm. that don't belong in the prairie. Um, Um, you know, just a little bit of change of pace. And then of course, supporting anybody doing this work, you know, tell the community, this is what you want to see. Tell the parks department, this is what you like seeing. And they'll, they'll love hearing that. Should we cool. just write an email? Yeah, to them? I'm yes. going to okay. write them yeah. an email. If you pass by a park worker, say, "I love these wildflowers. I'm so okay. grateful. Thank you. We love our prairies." When there's surveys of the community on what are we going to do? What's our master plan for the parks mm-hmm. department? For the counties, um, you know, depart- parks departments essentially land managers, um, and tell your, you know, tell them. You know, we want to see more natural areas. We want to see home for our wild animals, and we we enjoy these spaces too. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to hear that stuff.
0: Okay, there's a very important question for May 14th and May 28th at okay. the dog park, which is, are the dogs allowed to
1: come? Good question. I see no reason a dog cannot in, um, enjoy that time with us. Okay. Of course, if you notice that your dog is digging out really like the plants out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> if they're making us step uh, backwards and not forwards, yeah. um, then we might say, hey, you know, maybe... Your dog should be like with you yeah. and under yeah. observation. But otherwise, um, I love being around dogs, and they make a really good hole. Yeah, yeah. They do. they're good diggers. So, you gotta get them trained. Exactly. Yeah. So start training your dogs now to dig holes that are about just three inches for, yeah. wide yeah. and three inches deep. I bet they could do that. Um, um, just one could, paw. Yeah, scoop. just one scoop. Yeah, and then move on. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I'm also wondering, so you said that we don't have the capacity to, um, create prairies as they were. Is that in terms of like plants? Like we don't have original plants. and There's tons. a lot of things.
1: Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's step number one is the commercial availability of the, you know, there's 2000 plus species native to Kansas mm-hmm. plant species. Um, we probably have commercial availability of, I don't know, re- reliably just a few hundred of those.
2: Wow. Um,
1: and uh, many of those are obviously woodland and wetland species as well. So I'm not trying to over-exaggerate. But um, annual, native annuals, very difficult. Rare native plants like um, the prairie-fringed orchid and mead's milkweed, mm. um, impossible to get. You can't wow. get them. Um, and that's why we're trying so desperately to protect what little prairie there is <laughs> left, which <laughs> is, for those of you who don't know, less than 1% of our prairies left in the Aww. county of our original expanse of prairie. That's wow. really significant. Uh, Really important factoid, Um, and much more than that, obviously. But so, you know, my job is protect what's left, but also build more. And the more that I can build to protect those remnants, the safer those remnants are. Um, And honestly, the more that our community recognizes prairie is valuable, Mm -hmm. if they can see it. Because those remnants, for the most part, there's a few public ones, but for the most part, they lie on public land. They're inaccessible. If Mm -hmm. you can't see something, you don't care about it. So -hmm. if we make these spaces more public, more accessible, then then when... Prairie comes up to be developed, then I have a crew of people right. saying, uh-uh, you yeah. know, like, no, these mm-hmm. are important spaces. And I have no Prairie. I've been to Prairie. I planted a wildflower in one, and it's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're doing. We're building a, a native <laughs> plant army. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's not what I meant uh, to say, but that's right. what I – it is, really. We're we're building, you just know, like, community yeah. support. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's like, building – yeah. What's the organizing term? You're just organizing people. Organizing, yeah, yeah. exactly. And and so, you know, beyond the plants, um, the mycorrhizal fungi that associate with those plants, mm. the bacteria, the insects in the soil, all the way up to the megafauna, you know, who uh, depended on them for existence, Um uh, everything depends on the plants and, and certainly, you know, all the critters that we enjoy the hawks <laughs> that we watch out for with our chihuahuas, but all, you know, the, the, the coyotes, you know, the foxes, I, I'm I'm, I'm very fond of skunks and have spent time oh. with them in the field in prairies, um, white tailed deer. So whether you hunt, mm-hmm. um, you just enjoy a good wildflower walk, you walk your dog, you like fresh air and you like clean water, whoever you are, you love prairie and you don't know it. Mm-hmm. And we just need to connect people from wherever they are to, to our prairie spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have this so many more questions. Incredible.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> and you're such a good speaker that like you just end everything yeah. so poised. Oh. And then. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and That's then we an have act. to come in <laughs> and like yeah. <laughs> now what do we say? <laughs> okay. What's our next question? Oh, I yeah. We had a question about um, so, about seed saving. And yeah, I don't know how to ask it. You ask it. Well,
2: um, I don't I don't know why this year with the seed library has felt so different, but stuff's coming up that hasn't before. But mm-hmm. anyway, um we've had a lot of wonderful community members um, ask us about saving seeds, about donating seeds that they have. That's so sweet. It um, makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really wonderful. Um, but I, I don't know much about yeah. seed saving. So yeah. yeah, I just I wanted We're to see about like amateur yeah, seed yeah, saving. like what you thought about amateur seed saving. Yeah. Not necessarily that the community members who offer to donate are amateur yeah. seed
1: savers, but we don't always know. Right. Around. That's fair. And it's the same across the board. No matter what seeds you're talking about, you can save a tomato seed wrong. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> you, like, you Tell you can, me yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so absolutely something to be concerned about of course we want to open our arms to anyone who wants to help um mm-hmm. and I do a lot of native seed collection storage and germination education mm. um in the community and certainly please encourage folks to reach out to me and I can tell cool. them what the next training is but um you know as far as nature collecting native plants and trying to emulate nature um uh, it's difficult because of those 2,000 species they're all going to have a different mm. way to be collected. But, um, some of the, you know, so I'll, I'll, talk about a couple of really common ones. So, uh, cone flowers, the echinaceous, mm-hmm. um, you would collect those when the stem below the inflorescence, which is a grouping of flowers, when the stem below the inflorescence starts to turn brown, you could clip the head off. You don't want to collect it while any portion of that is still green mm-hmm. or the seeds aren't mature mm-hmm. to clean those. There's a bunch of different ways, but essentially you're just trying to bust that inflorescence apart mm-hmm. to get to the seeds. And the seeds look like sort of like a half of a sunflower seed they're fantastic Mm. medicine they make your mouth numb when you chew on them i eat them all the time i introduce them to my uh, botany students at ku um they are really great for mouth sores, they're really great for sore throats, and that's wow. just a one component of the plant. The whole plant is medicinal, but the seeds are a really great way to access the medicine without disturbing the soil, mm-hmm. which is where our the traditional way to get medicine from echinacea is to dig it up and take right. some portion of the root, mm-hmm. which is actually more sustainable than you'd think. They can grow really readily from a small component, mm-hmm. a small portion of the root system. But... Really cool plant, but it's, people always ask me how to clean them. We shove our very spiky seed head through, um, like hardware cloth, like chicken wire, but okay. a little finer, wow. um, and it break. If you push it against the grain, it breaks the head apart. Hmm. But many of the gardeners I know, some of them will step them, put them on the ground and just stomp them really hard Mm -hmm. where they want the flowers to grow. Some people will stomp them on the driveway or some other cement so it'll break apart and you can collect the seeds then. So you're just trying to bust that seed head apart with lots of energy. And you should not just plant the seed head. You could Um, it might just take longer for them to germinate because it has to break break, down all of that material so Mm -hmm. that the seed will contact soil. So seed to soil contact. And what if you just throw it out in your backyard? (laughs) That's fine too. It might take a couple (laughs) of years. (laughs) If it's in the backyard, it's more likely that it would be outcompeted by lawn grasses and Mm -hmm. eventually mowed or disturbed in some other way. So you want to, little seedlings, no matter Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, need a little bit of special attention and, and protection. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know things in the mint family like bee balms or slender mountain mint some of those things you've seen in the catalog over the last few years those are really easy to clean you basically just tip the head upside down and and kind of rub it and the seeds fall out mm-hmm. it's really easy and it smells cool. really good Cool, it's good aromatherapy mm-hmm. and then do you need to store them
0: in some or because because if they need to stratify can you just put them directly outside yeah
1: I mean the best thing you can do is let nature have it Mm-hmm. um in a prepared site so it's again don't throw them in the lawn because it's not going to do anything <laughs> when but I, throw when them. I there we him. go hasley <laughs> 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 that might be the problem you're experiencing well,
0: my lawn is not it's mostly dirt so. if, yeah mm. if you have
1: a patchy you know not full like densely grassy yes. lawn then that would work yeah. um but then you have to kind of find them and protect them most people don't know what native uh, seedlings okay. look like that's no. another thing that i can teach people uh, um But then so if you can't get them out in a prepared site, then you and you want to have flowers and, you know, or have them germinate in the spring, then you would want to do that false cold stratification and check out that Prairie Moon Nursery website for that information. Um, But if you just want to store them because you might want to use them next year or share them with a friend or um, Mm -hmm. or share them with the library, you want to put them in what I use, either a lunch sack, you know, like the brown paper bags Mm -hmm. or coin envelopes, um, which is what we use for the seed library, Mm -hmm. something that can breathe and pull moisture away from the seeds for long-term storage and keep them cool. So, you know, room house temperature 70s degree is perfect. 70 degrees is perfect. You can put them somewhere colder, but you don't have to. You mm-hmm. just want to keep them cool and dry. Cool. Is there a risk with sort of amateur
2: seed saving in terms of like <laughs> like plant um I'm trying to think of the word, but
1: uh, Are you thinking about like cross pollination and Yeah, and cross pollination or, or plant health or yeah, like. Absolutely. And with some can species. Can get weird? It <laughs> can get weird. And I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit stricter with my own personal space mm. and native spaces than I am with people's gardens. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, think about how far a bee can fly. That's how mm-hmm. far right. pollen can travel for, Hopefully. that can be, you know, half a mile or a mile mm. depending on the size of the bee. It's really cool science like, how? yeah. So I wouldn't know this without some of my really amazing, um, pollinator ecologist friends. Yeah. Um, but so shout out to Daphne Mays for teaching me that <laughs> the size of a bee is Um, correlated with how far that bee can fly. And so our tinier native bees can't fly as far. Imagine being a native Mm. bee stuck on a little tiny prairie that can't get to another prairie because it can only fly half a mile. Your entire life is spent on this one acre prairie because you can't get Mm. anywhere else. That's why our gardens are so important. (laughs) Um, However... Um, so <laughs> there are some species that are known to hybridize. So Echinaceas, um, mm-hmm. just by chance, Echinaceas are one of those that hybridize. So I only use um, Echinacea pallida in my own mm-hmm. gardens and when I'm re- restoring prairie because that is our Douglas County Echinacea. Oh. Echinacea purpurea, the purple Echinacea, a purple cone flower, mm-hmm. is technically wasn't found in our county historically. Um, there's other Echinaceas that are nearby that weren't found in Douglas County mm-hmm. as well. So, um, uh, black samson, which is uh, the echinacea that you'd see at Kanza, um, you can plant it here. It's happy here. But if you plant black samson and pale purple coneflower, echinacea pallida, next to each other, they'll hybridize and make something oh, okay. different. Okay. And it's not it. Okay. It's fine. Okay. It's totally fine. The only issue for if you're producing seeds to share with people is that you don't know what you have anymore. Right. right? Um, so, that's that same idea of cross-pollinating peppers, cross-pollinating tomatoes, yeah. that you don't mm-hmm. know what you're going to get anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not an issue, because they're still edible. They're still food, mm-hmm. but you just don't know how yeah. spicy is your pepper going to be, you know, how juicy, how sweet is your tomato going to be, what is your echinacea going to do, and where does it want to live? Oh. So, so it's actually
0: kind of fun if you're not like a commercial yeah. producer. <laughs> it's fun if
1: you its fun if you don't have to try to protect your echinacea yeah. from yeah. bees coming from who knows where to put yeah. pollen on, you know. Um, so we live, and in, uh, in land management a prairie out um, north of town, and it's probably not within a half mile of any hybrid Echinacea. Mm. And so I can, mm. I have some some faith, some confidence that mm-hmm. the Echinacea seeds that we produce on our prairie will be straight Echinacea pallida that mm-hmm. I can share with people. Just neat. It's fascinating. You know, it's the best yeah. adapted species to our site, mm-hmm. or at least it was for 15,000 years. And how do you know that? <laughs> how do you, but
0: like, how do yeah. I know?
1: Yeah. Um, that oh, that,
0: that Echinacea palata, yeah, is like
1: from this, this oh, tiny, you know, little tract of land. Good lane. question. I could be, I mean, the most honest thing I could say is someone taught me that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure, but sure. But I just also, a, you know, they know now. because of yeah. historic records, certainly, and we have an amazing herbarium in town. Mm. Uh, the Mer- McGregor Herbarium really? is part what? of KU <laughs> campus. They would... Probably give me a, a little side eye for saying this, but do reach out to them if you're a plant nerd. That <laughs> our archive is fascinating. Wow, um, really, really cool records from you know hundreds of years um, uh, here, and it stores so much information wow. you couldn't possibly digest it all. Oh my gosh! Um, but because we have collected so, we collected so many samples, there were so many records of the plants that were here when European settlement began in this space and certainly oh. records from the indigenous folks who were here to tell us what they were using you know how they were using plants and what those their relationships mm-hmm. with those plants were we have good records of what was here mm-hmm.
0: That, that it's the sort of thing you can identify from, like, a sort of pressing absolutely. or a drawing. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. Yeah. They're, oh, my God. They're very cool and different enough. You know, that's what's yeah. so—species diversity is fascinating, and hybridization is fascinating, absolutely. And maybe the best thing you can do is provide all of these different genetic resources for the ecosystem to respond to whatever's going to happen. Because so we're, mm-hmm. you know, in this unprecedented change of climate, right? We don't know what's mm-hmm. going to be the best echinacea for right here. Yeah. Um, But I'm I'm putting myself in a role where I'm gonna harbor, you know, the species (laughs) that were here and do my best to continue to distribute those. And but that I could be I could be barking up the wrong tree. We all need to do this work in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow so interesting. (laughs) It's is it daunting?
2: Is it exciting? I mean it's all those things. It's
1: terrifying, it's exhausting, it's heart. Crushing, but also heart-filling. Mm-hmm. Um, every day is a different swing of emotions. Um, I feel very grateful, but also sometimes there's days, just like with any passion project where you just feel sort of beaten down. Mm-hmm. You just didn't mm-hmm. have a win that day or that week or that month or mm-hmm. or running your own business is really hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or working basically three or four different jobs mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to pull all this off is hard. But then you have days where, you know... It makes it all worth it, you know. Today we were out um, doing a consult on someone's property, um, and we found a a red-shouldered hawk caught up Mm. in fishing line. Oh, wow. And got to release that hawk and have this moment with uh, something, you know, a a greater-than-human experience, um, a greater-than-human creature. Mm -hmm. I hate to even use that word. It's not fair. You know, it's like they they deserve so much more. Mm -hmm. But to have this— what felt like hours but was probably two minutes mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. of eye contact and really close proximity with an animal that was there, just really being part of an ecosystem and enjoying that thing that you create. I mean, mm-hmm. a day like that can carry me for yeah. months, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, just remembering that experience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a planty experience. It was it was <laughs> beyond that. So, yeah, I get to build the spaces that the, the animals use and then enjoy the animals while I'm there. Absolutely. Wow. It's pretty beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, it's such a good energy to be yeah. podcast.
1: Like, I don't think we have. I don't know, it's just a very good energy. Thanks. Yeah, I love it too. I'm grateful for you guys for having me here. Yeah,
0: I think that we're.
1: Yeah,
0: maybe you can send us some of the resources that you. I'd love to. I can send you
1: some yeah. recommended field guides or maybe some yeah. places to start. um And. You know our social media pages are are pretty busy, obviously, but um, most of um, most of our events end up hosted on our our partner website. So definitely check out, cool. you know, um, like Friends of the Cause Facebook pages, Grassland Heritage Foundation, uh, Kansas Biological mm-hmm. Survey, and and the KU Field Station. Um, all of our partners keep busy. Facebook pages and we're just the contractor. So <laughs> we, all of these people are doing so much great work. Um, cool. well, yeah, we'll link to all of those things great. and more in the show
0: notes. Absolutely. Probably. Um, yeah. Should we, should we do our last section? Yeah. Did you want to say anything else Ruby, before we do that?
2: No, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm ready. I'm just,
0: okay. I'm, I know like I'm going to
2: be thinking about that experience yeah and I was not just even there like but when it's you're it's describing like also, it yeah, yeah just, it just like
1: feels like you're yeah. yeah isn't it beautiful I'll share a picture for for the show okay. notes as yes. well because yeah. I took a bunch of pictures oh cool because my husband was there holding this hawk and detangling <sighs> it and I just wanted to remember that moment mm-hmm. I'll share a picture that's so beautiful it's yeah, cool good.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay well so now we do uh, we talk about what we're
1: reading I love it do you yeah. want
0: to go first Courtney <laughs> oh sure <laughs> Or um, or if you, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to do it, but okay.
1: I'm laughing because I'm going to say his last name wrong. I need support. So um, anybody who knows me well enough to have had a conversation or two knows I keep, I, I'm an avid reader, but I, as I started my business, I've been incapable of finishing a book. Mm-hmm. I just keep falling asleep. But I've been trying to read... <laughs> This book, Enduring Seeds, for a few years. <laughs> that's so sad. Oh, I love um, that. But it's true. I'm really got this first chapter down. It's in my brain <laughs> I just keep rereading it. And I have so many notes in the, in the, you know, in the edges here um, because I'm so inspired by his work. But uh, mm. Gary Paul Nabon is what we yes. collectively have, we're going with that mm-hmm. pronunciation. And I do yeah. apologize, Gary, if that's not how you say your name. No, you're an inspiration to me. But Enduring (laughs) Seeds is about um, the Native American relationship with native plants and specifically with how seeds were collected, moved and conserved. And that is um, a major passion topic for me, Um, Mm. like on the verge of tears, just thinking about it, (laughs) because to me, um, it shows the great depth of relationship with plants that Mm -hmm. we've always had. Um, mm-hmm. And something that we've really lost, and that's it's sort of a mission of mine to reconnect people, and that's why mm-hmm. seeds are such a passion of mine. Yeah. And I found this book, and I thought this guy is my soulmate. He mm-hmm. doesn't even know <laughs> <it."> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really good book so far. Please do read it. And all of his
0: other books. They're all really awesome. Cool. Well, and if any listeners are interested in that, you should keep an eye out for an event that might be happening in June. Yes, we are so close (laughs) to
1: having an event planned. But please, uh, yeah, keep an eye on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will provide an update. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And social media. And And all the the inputs for your brain. Yes. Yes. Plug in.
0: Cool. Oh yeah, I hope we have a copy of that in the library.
1: If you don't, if Board, we yeah. don't, we, we will get, we'll be ordering it. one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, you need it. <laughs> cool.
0: All right, Ruby, do you want to go? Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> follow, follow up.
2: Okay. Um, I am reading Mesopotamia by. <laughs> I wrote it down, and I'm still like, I'm so ner- I'm I'm glad we're equally nervous about <laughs> authors' names. Yes. Um, Sergei Shadon. Oh. Probably butchering that he is a Ukrainian poet and author and activist. Um, and the book is it's in multiple sections and you just kind of drop into people's lives. Um, so it starts out with a group of um, adult men like grieving their friend who's just been killed and kind of they're overlapping memories of him and narrativizing his life after his death um oh, and wow. sitting touching. outside as like night is falling and they're all eating dinner at a big table outside and mm-hmm. none of them wants to leave but it's getting really cold and I'm like I've had evenings like that yes. and it's mm-hmm. like oh anyway yeah oh, wow. sad and, eyes, and beautiful yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds so. beautiful Mm-hmm. I'm also struggling to read and have restarted
0: this mm-hmm. book a couple
1: times. Yeah, but. It sounds like it's worth it.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. I think that's been a theme in a lot of library land throughout the pandemic. It's just that, yeah. like librarians who you think are constantly reading, just like no. have no yeah. Yeah. time to read. Yeah, and just yeah. haven't had the like will or the energy
1: to. We're all feeling the weight yeah. of yeah. the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. <sighs> What are you reading, Hazlitt? Oh. Well, I'm reading two books I really love right now, actually,
1: which is good. I told you, of course. <laughs> I'm just going to turn around. No,
0: it's not. it's not. That's definitely not always the case. But um, so I'm reading Station 11 after I watched the TV show a while ago mm-hmm. and I like talked to Ruby about apocalyptic landscapes for like a <laughs> whole dinner. Um, Anyway, yeah, it's just very good. So Station Eleven, probably a lot of people know by now, but it's about a pandemic that happens around this time, and basically everyone dies, oh. which is different than our yeah than our <laughs> Thank world, goodness. thankfully. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but then there's this sort of like 20 years after this huge life or world changing event, um, the sort of like alternative societies and ways that people have come together, how they're surviving together, and um, just rebuilding sort of community. So it's kind it's really beautiful, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's better than the TV show. If you've seen the TV show, so.
1: I haven't. I'm. This is totally new to me. I'm very interested. Yeah.
0: It's. It. Um. Yeah. It. The premise is definitely disturbing, right? Oh, in this course. moment. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um. No, but I, yeah, I'm really liking it. And then I'm reading "Having and Being Had" by Eula Biss, mm-hmm. which is like Eula Biss writes sort of um, short essays that are you know basically interconnected and related, but. Um, you know, just like touch down for a moment on something related to her her central theme, and then move away, and you make your own connections. And um, so, having and being had is about like ownership and property, and um, and capitalism, and buying a house, and what that you know.
1: <laughs> Sounds like prep work for future for future community events.
0: Mm. Yeah, and also, both very heavy books, yes.
1: very heavy.
0: Yeah, but they're really like hitting me perfectly right now. So I would really recommend both
1: of them. That's awesome. Oh, I'm going to slip in that tonight, technically, but this won't be ready in time. The Nature Book Club. Go to the Nature Book Club because they are amazing people. And I rarely get to attend, like really rarely. But they're (laughs) doing this hybrid... You know, holding these clubs to, um, both virtually and in person, and you can come and talk about your favorite book that has anything to do with nature at all mm-hmm. um, and and truly a wonderful experience and good community. Mm-hmm. And there's one tonight, which I don't even know what day it is, the 8th, but, <laughs> yeah, <this> one, <laughs> yeah. but the, you're going to miss the 8th. But go to yes. the next one. Yeah, and we'll I think it's every season, one. which is fun. Yeah, it's just like a seasonal calendar. Right. There's three more coming up this year, and you should right. totally... Totally attend. I love Courtney um, hyping the library. Event. <laughs> I know so that's yeah, really thank helpful you for that. <laughs> I love. So I, I honestly, I get a lot out of this library. Uh, I used to spend an awful lot of time here. I'm really grateful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now I would like to come back. I need the study room. Right. So get yeah, me, get me a study room. Yeah. I'll just come in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah in I corner. know.
0: <laughs> it's it's usually empty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you've. I mean, you've given so much back to the library in this I last know. hour. Like. Oh well,
1: thanks. <gasps> thank you. Yeah, so
0: wonderful to have you here. Wonderful um, to have
1: you guys with me too. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here now, but thank you.
0: Thanks. For yeah. That. I'm going to grow a lot of native plants this year.
1: Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm. No, I'm feeling very inspired. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. native plant nurseries. I oh, forgot. yes. Yeah, you want to talk about okay. them? Okay. Just verify. I'm just going to list them. Joel, don't cut it. Yeah. yeah. Wait for me, Joel. Okay. Happy Apples Farm, which is also the home of botanical belonging in Tonganoxie. So Wild Natives in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm. Um, Stop by Vinland Valley. They don't carry a ton of native plants, but they do their best. Um, And um, we're talking with Cotton's Hardware about potentially getting Mm -hmm. some native plants in there more consistently, which is going to be
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: And then there's just a lot of really great Kansas City native plant nurseries. Check out the Deep Roots um, website Deep Roots Kansas yeah. City they have they host a bunch of different native plant sales and they bring all these vendors native plant vendors to the plant sales and it's just a really good opportunity oh and Ooh. Grassland Heritage Foundation and Monarch Watches plant sales watch out for those too all right I'm gonna stop cool. now well, yeah but <laughs> reach out to any of us in this room if you have questions because they can get a hold of me yeah yeah to?
0: we'll just forward your questions straight to Cordy sounds good, so. <laughs> cool. sounds
1: good. all right we yeah. did it yay thank you <laughs> thank you much. so much yeah, thanks, of course Tune in next month for another episode of Oranges and Peaches. Find the show notes on
0: lplks.org, and don't forget to subscribe. And please rate or comment. You'll help others find the podcast. Our info librarians are Hazlitt Henderson and Ruby McKinnon Love, with theme music and editing
1: by Joel Bonner. This has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.